Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We bow our heads in reverence because we know you are an awesome God. We know you are a God who works miracles in our lives, who works the best for us, even though we can't see that. You are a God who comes and communes with us, even at this very moment. Thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to gather together. You're not some chunk of wood or cast iron or uh, a sun god or all those inanimate objects that uh, so many have uh, worshipped. You're a loving creator God who has emotions and feelings and understands who we are as humans. You hear our cries And you respond because you love us. Lord, I pray for those of who are this morning are just torn up. They're here struggling to hear the word, struggling to hear you, struggling to put life together to one step in front of the other. Lord, remind them that this is exactly where they need to be. You have called us to gather in your name. Remind us that you haven't left us, that you haven't turned your back on us, that you hear our cries. That you've already worked out the plan, as hard as that can be, and that you love us so. Lord, as we look at Jonah, we're going to look at what seems type re- somewhat ridiculous. Jonah is in the belly of a fish praying to you. At some point, it obviously became very real that, uh, that it was no joke what you told Jonah to do. And somehow Jonah came to his senses in the midst of uh, what was uh, some ugly and recognized your hand in his life. May we be that Jonah today. The Jonah that understands that you have a plan for us. May we be the Jonah that sings your praises throughout the Psalms, knowing that you have already delivered them. In your name we pray. Amen. Passage this week is from Jonah chapter 2. It says, From inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for your help and you listened to my cry. 
You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sunk down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, O Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. May God add His blessing as we continue to sing this morning. We come to you this morning. And it's pretty heavy to think that we were and are that possession. It's not stuff, it's us. It's our hearts that you want. And Lord, it's pretty heavy to think that you came looking for us. Especially when we're not always looking for you. There are times when we're wandering around trying to find that thing that will fulfill us. Trying to find that stuff that will somehow give us completeness. When the reality is there is no stuff that will give us completeness. There is only one hope. One hope in this world and it is you. And so, Lord, as we spend some time this morning talking about your word, I pray that you would remind us how valuable we are to you. Remind us, Lord, that we matter because we matter to you, no matter what else is going on in our life. Give us wisdom to see you more clearly. It says in that song, Give us wisdom to see you more clearly, even if the tears have washed that and allowed for that. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, which one of you guys is calling me? Would you like me to answer? No, just kidding. Oh, I missed the phone call. Aw. It's probably, it's probably the... Uh... No, it's the... I... <laughs> All right, so I'm going to, this story has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's so good. No, better. So I get this same, uh, I, I continually, week after week after week, for probably six months, get this same answering machine message. That there was one day, it was $99.99, it was put on my credit card. And if I have a problem, I need to hit one and I can get a human being, right? Well, then it, that didn't work, so I didn't answer that one. And then it was like $199.99. Anybody else get these ones? $399.99. Well, it was up to $499.99. It says if you hit one, you can, if you have a pro, if you don't have a problem with this charge on your credit card, just hang up the phone. But if you have a problem with it, answer the phone, right? Click hit one. 
So I don't know what happened. It must have been a Friday. So I decided Friday morning that I was going to not be as much the pastor as I should be. And I hit number one because I want to see what happens because I want to talk to a human being. And it's like, you remember what his name was? Ken. Yeah, I think it was. So, so I answered the phone. Yeah, it was Ken Bartlett. No. So I, <laughs> so I answered the phone, and, and it's like, this is Ken from customer service. I said, hey, Ken, how's it going? I think it was Kevin. Kevin, maybe. And he says, it's going great. I said, Kevin, listen, dude. I'm tired of you calling. I know you're scamming me. Please do not call me again. Click. <laughs> I did. I was nice to him. And then it was Ken Bartlett that was, no. And then I called him. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Ken left the message. No. <laughs> so we're in the second week of Jonah chapter 2. And I'm going to ask you the same question every week. So who read Jonah chapter 2? All right, that's pretty good. Nate, was that like a real... You only read eight of the ten verses. <laughs> I hope you read it and enjoyed it. I, I do want to, I'm going to challenge you a little bit further. You could actually read chapter one and chapter two together, and then this next week, one, two, and three. I know that's like 35 verses for a week, but... Because I think if you begin to look at number one, at chapter one and you work into chapter two, you, you, it fits a little bit better. It's kind of like not reading the middle of the book. It's kind of like reading the whole book, right? <laughs> Excuse me. All right, so I'm going to do what we did last week. You may remember what we talked about last week. We talked about Jonah's running heart. That Jonah's heart, Jonah decided he was going to run from God. And, we, and you may remember that he couldn't get far enough that God could forget him, right? He didn't forget him, and that it, God protected him. Do you remember that? And that God uh, continued to work in his life, uh, even though Jonah was running the other direction. Uh, as Donnie reminded us, 2,500 miles he was headed in the other direction. So chapter 2 is a little bit different than chapter 1, right? Chapter 1 kind of gives us, here's what's going on. Chapter 2 is a lot different. It's actually poetry-ish. So if you're artsy, you might, like, you might have liked it a little bit better or differently. So what did you hear? So I'm going to ask the same question I asked last week. What did you hear in chapter 2 this week? What did God reveal? Because isn't that what we want, right? And if you didn't, if you're, today's your first day ever, so next week we're going to look at Jonah chapter 3. So I'm going to encourage you that you came to church hoping to experience and hear from God. Am I right? Otherwise, you're just warming the pew and wearing out the cloth. Right? And that ain't no, that's no good. So you want to experience God, I hope. That's why you're here. I would encourage you to read Jonah chapter 3 for next week. So back to Jonah chapter 2. So what did we hear in Jonah chapter 2? Guy in a pinch? Yeah. yeah. Liz? Okay. What else did you hear? Forfeit grace? Oh, we forfeit grace with idols. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to talk about that today because that stuck out to me too. What else did you hear? Any? I didn't see that. (laughs) 
Lee, what do you got? Hey, no cheating. Going down. That's, that is interesting. Anything else? And anything else stick out to you in this passage? How he was protected? Oh, he realizes, yeah. He realizes that it, it's, it, he's already been protected, right? In the midst... Anybody, anybody been sitting in a fish lately? Lois, what do you got? <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. If you can pray to God inside the fish in the bottom of the ocean, you probably can pray anywhere, right? Good point, Lois. <laughs> I, did, I missed that. I didn't get that. Ken? It's the minute Jonah repents, God responds. Okay. Yep. When Jonah repents, God responds. Brian Renner, what do you got? <laughs> So if you, didn't, yeah, if you didn't hear that, how did Jonah pray underwater? I think the answer, Brian, is very theological. Very carefully. <laughs> the second one was how did Jonah not get eaten alive, right? And Brian, if, if you, uh, there are a lot of scientific uh, questions about that. How could Jonah have survived in, in the acid of a stomach of a fish for three days? And would he have been able to breathe? And... There's a lot of pieces, parts that are questionable in that area. Steve. Amen. Amen. Ron, what you got? Uh, a pit. Yeah, he does. Hmm, that's funny you say that. Right, and then... All the yeah, all the things he was, all the things he talked about. Absolutely. Or salvation. Could that? Obviously, it was something. And uh, just as a side note, real quick, um, if you want to know more, Jesus spoke of this in Matthew. He talks about Jonah. Matthew chapter 12, 38 through 42. We're not going to go there today, but I will give you that as a side note to read. He says to the Pharisees, if you want a sign, I got a sign for you. It's the sign of Jonah. We're going to talk a little bit, very little bit about that, but that's a side note that if you want to, you want to look up something a little bit more uh, about Jonah, uh, Jesus actually talks about uh, Jonah in, uh, in Matthew. So I want to ask you a question. So what is it and when do we cry out to God the most? When are those moments in life when we make it a point to pray to God? 
At our lowest? Absolutely, right? When we're desperate, right? When we got nowhere else to go? What's that? When you want something? Absolutely, right? When, yeah, when, we, when we think we need something, right? Need, want. We always call it need, Mike. It's easier that way. <laughs> when there's nothing, yeah, when there's nothing we can do, nowhere to turn, nowhere to go, we're, we're hemmed in, right? When else, anywhere, any other time do we call on God? Judgment, okay. What's that? All right, when we, yes, hopefully, right? We pray to God when we're, when we're thankful for something that has, when we have been delivered, which is, yeah, when we're in over our head, right? We're sinking quick. Uh, that's where Jonah's at, right? In over his head. Brian, what do you got? Okay. I, I can't believe this 150 plus people haven't picked the one that's on my mind. Dan, what do you got? What is it? Daily, yeah. Well, you're getting closer to what I'm thinking. Well, we eat. Absolutely. <laughs> we pray for lunch. Come on. I thought these were good Baptists. Brentley, good job. And I didn't, I didn't coach him. I, don't, I didn't give him a piece of paper. Fact of the matter is, we do pray sometimes. Um, it was said in Wednesday night Bible study, a lot of times when we don't pray is when things are going really well, right? Things are good. And we struggle in those moments to not pray. We don't. Uh, in the middle of this uh, passage, verse 7, we're going to start in the middle just real quick. But it says, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, your holy temple. That's when we tend to pray, right? When my life, it was ebbing away. I'm about toast. I'm almost dead and... So there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, is there not? There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us that says, when I know I can't go any other place, and I know I can't do any other thing, and I'm in a pickle that I've never been in before, I will pray. And if you want to find that out, you will find, sit in my position for a minute and you'll find out how many people, uh, I'll get a text from someone that, not a part of a church at all, right? There's something outside of the realm of what they can do or have a struggle and they don't know where else to turn and so what they do is they ask for prayer. Get on Facebook and you'll see it all the time, right? People are asking for prayer at those moments. And that's not a bad thing because I think it enables, it enables us sometimes to make connections at those moments when people are at their lowest. I want to uh, spend a few minutes looking at what Jonah heard in the midst of... Now remember... This whole passage is Jonah still in the fish's stomach. The whole thing, right? We know he gets in there at the beginning and he gets vomited out on the last verse, but everything in the, that we are going to look at today is while he is still in the middle of the storm. He's still inside the stomach of the fish. He's, I don't understand or even claim to understand how a guy wakes up inside of a fish and decides to pray to God, right? I don't know what that means or how that exactly works. Um, none of us have been in a fish, so we probably only, won't really fully understand that. But we do trust that what happened there uh, happened. And here's the thing. God heard his cry. Did he not? 
God heard his cry inside the fish. There are moments in our life when we struggle to even get the words out because we're not sure God's ever going to hear us. Right? There are moments in our life when we think we've gone too far, too much, too bad that we've actually got outside of God's realm. And Scripture talks about uh, in Romans 8.26, the Spirit of God helps us in those moments. It says the Spirit of God makes uh, intercession in our weakness. We don't, we, don't know, we don't know what we ought to pray for. Have you ever been to that point? Romans 8.26, we don't even know how to pray or to pray for the situation. But the Spirit, capital S, just so you know, if you're in your Scriptures in your Bible, capital S, Romans 8.26. The Spirit Himself intercedes through wordless groans. There should be some hope that in the midst of the worst, toughest, hardest struggles in our life, God is able to hear your cries. He knows what you're crying about. He knows and He can hear it. One of the things, one of the side notes of this passage, I want to, this whole passage is a chunk of a bunch of different Psalms. So obviously Jonah knew the Psalms because, and I'll show you in a minute for extra credit. So if you, if you want to do some extra reading, I got some Psalms that are going to come up on a thing that says extra credit. Um, they're just some of the, they're pieces of this passage where Jonah is just reciting some of the things that happened uh, in, uh, in the Psalms. I want to share you, I want to, so I know you know who this is, right? For if you don't know, this is my granddaughter, all right? Only the cutest child ever. Uh, so we got this picture this week. And I know what you're thinking. I, I, and it, for anyone who's on the radio you're, or the podcast, it's uh, this child with a screaming-looking face all into this curve thing. And so, uh, so we get this picture on our post uh, from my daughter this week. And of course, I don't know about you, but first thing I thought, well, she must be pooping, right? That's kind of what, what it looks like to me. And I'm just being honest. I, I don't know because we didn't get any. So we get a caption that says, she actually she's in this uh, contorted position and actually is screaming her eyes out because she can't figure out how to get out of this position. <laughs> Mind you, she's got her hands on her toes, so she's pulling her legs, which she likes to do, and she's screaming. And this child can scream bloody murder when she decides that she's not a happy camper. And, and so Hannah said, that's exactly what's going on there. She said, she actually believes she can't get out of this position. And I couldn't help but think, we actually believe we can't get out of our position, or more importantly, that God can't deliver us and hasn't hurt us in the position that we're in. It's so much more. I wonder how many of us are, sit and kick and scream because we don't even know if God has heard our cries. The problem is not with God. He talks about the pit, like Ron was talking about the pit. That pit comes out of Psalm 40. Said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cries. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet upon a rock. 
Some of us are in that pit today. Some of us are in that spot where we think there is no answer that will get us from where we are back to the love of God. There are some who are here looking for that spot, right? Looking to find that, crying out to God. I don't believe anyone comes to church to fill a pew. I don't believe that. They come to experience God. They come here, you come here, I come here to experience God. We come to, and it just depends what day it is, right? Someday we're, we're happy and victorious and we're excited. And some days we come and we are absolutely broken. And we come to experience God. One, of the, one side note for you, I don't know if you ever realized or noticed, I'm going to give you a secret of the church, all right? Um, I know, I never said this before, I know that. Do you realize that the songs that are played on Sunday morning, somehow, some way, some lyric is connected to the sermon? Have you ever thought just for a moment that they're connected? Sometimes the pastor isn't real good at it, so you don't even see it, right? I want you to think, I want to encourage you because I want to enrich your time while you're in and at the feet of the Savior, that those songs aren't picked willy-nilly. We don't have a list that we just literally run three, the next three or four, the next three or four. We don't do that. There's There's a method to the madness. But the madness only works if you know that it's coming, right? And if you're looking at the words and the lyrics, that, that song that we did uh, right before the sermon was a song that we did for uh, Lent last year, right before Easter. And it fits so well because it talks about Jesus coming and finding his lost possession. If you realize that you're the lost possession and he's seeking you out, He's seeking us out. Second thing that uh, Jonah realizes is that even in the midst of being in the heart of the sea, which I see is like really down pretty far, right? The currents swirling around him, the waves and the breakers swept over him, the deep surrounding him, the engulfing waters, seaweed wrapped around his head. Ever had seaweed? You ever ever been touched when you're in the water? I don't even like to touch seaweed in the water let alone get it wrapped around your head. He talks about the roots of the mountain. So I always think of like the mountains sticking out and the same jags and same ravines and the same things are, are reflected into the water um, are the same way, right? There's, there's different elevations. And, he, and as Ron was talking to you about, he come, and he talks about the pit. Even in all of that, Jonah remembers that God has already delivered him. That may be challenging, because that's challenging for me, right? I'm really good at remembering that God has delivered me when? After he's done it, right? You're really good at remembering God has delivered you out of something after he's done it. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to do that, does it? 
It doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes a good memory. It takes a good memory to remember that I was here and I was in this hole, I was in this pit, and now I'm not, and God delivered me. It takes a whole lot of faith to be in the middle of that pit and say, God has delivered me. And I believe Jonah realized at that moment God had already delivered him even though he was inside the stomach of the fish. There's the, oh wow, it's pretty small. Um, those are the passages from Psalms that Jonah's talking about in this passage. He's, he goes through and he's pulling pieces, parts of all those Psalms and he puts them in. I, I, I oops, sorry, I, if you need those, I have them. You can, <laughs> you're welcome to them. I want to share the story. It's funny that uh, Ron was talking about Daniel and the lion's den, right? God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. Do you remember that story? Remember that story? You know how he got there? Does anybody remember how Daniel got into the pit? Brian, how did Daniel get in the pit? Yep. Exactly. Thank you. If you didn't catch that, King Darius, said, they, made a, they made a law knowing full well that Daniel wouldn't follow the law. He was going to pray to his God. So they made a law that said, listen, you're not going to pray to anybody in this whole town unless it's the king. That's the only person you can pray to for the next 30 days. And if you get caught praying to someone other than King Darius, guess what's going to happen to you? I'm going to chuck you in the lion's den. And then what will happen? Obvious what they planned on happening, right? Is that Daniel would get eaten, and then they would be done with him. That was the plan. That was their plan all along. Daniel chose to pray to his God, our God, the living God, rather than to follow the rules. And the next morning, the scripture says, and the next morning they got up and they looked and there was Daniel, perfectly fine. God had already delivered him in the midst of what was the struggle. Uh-oh. Wrong page. Uh. Hey, there we go. Verse 8 says this, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Does anybody have any idols in their house? I know no one's going to raise their hand. I just want to... No? Does anybody know where that came from? Uh, this is... It didn't turn out... I somehow got it. The Ten Commandments, the very first commandment is, You shall have no other gods before me. Anybody know who that is? The Buddha. So I need to tell you a little story about bad pastor. So we were in Korea. I actually saw, I, I stood and was like right, I was right next to this Buddha. This Buddha is probably about, what, 12 feet high? Uh, it's cast iron. It's huge. I wanted to, the, the bad me came out for a minute. I wanted to get a selfie with this Buddha. I'm not going to lie. I thought, it was up on a thing, so it was going to be hard. But I thought... I'm going to get a selfie with Buddha, you know, as a joke. 
But then there was enough people that I thought, mm, I don't want to get kicked out of Korea before it's time. I don't want to offend anybody. I know that's... But we saw this Buddha, this picture. And this Buddha is cast iron. And if you know anything about my background, I've made a lot of cast iron in my life. Lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of. I spent 23 years making cast iron wrenches. And there's one thing I know about cast iron. There is nothing alive in cast iron. You know how you get that cast iron to make that shape? You turn it to about 28 to 2,900 degrees. You know what lives through 2,900 degrees? Nothing. It can't. If you can turn cast iron into an orange ball of flame, and that's what they have to do to get that, there is nothing alive in that idol. Nothing alive in that idol. And Jonah says, listen, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So I'm going to ask you this question. What are those idols in your life? Maybe that's a challenging question. See, because I think, if we're honest, did you hear, did you hear the countdown? The countdown connects to the, the sermon normally too, okay? So if you didn't catch that... Uh, those are, those are just tips for next week. Francis Chan talks about this having this branch, and it's not connected to anything. And what happens? He says, try as we may, we cannot make fruit grow on this. Right? Because he, he's talking about the scripture in uh, 15th chapter of, uh, no, 7th chapter of Matthew. And he says, listen, you're either connected to the vine, you're alive and you'll grow fruit, or you're not, and you'll be burned in the fire, is what Jesus says at that passage. Do you realize that that's all plastic? Now you do, right? Now you look at it like, oh, maybe it is plastic. Look real to me. That's plastic fruit. I wonder how often uh, our trees and our branches are loaded with plastic fruit. It looks good, right? And if I had that, I would try to get Kenny to eat one, right? Because that's what I would do. Because <laughs> I owe him a couple, right? <laughs> I have <some>. Yeah. <laughs> and when Ken took a per- the first bite, it would look great until he took the first bite. Knowing Ken, he'd probably chew a hole right through it. <laughs> and then we would find out that that was plastic fruit. Anything that gets in our way, in the way of God, is an idol. Anything, anywhere, anytime that we don't put God first, that is an idol. We love, we love to make pictures of Buddha and those kind of idols, right? Because we're talking, okay, Jonah's talking about this idol, and as long as I don't have a Buddha in my house, I'm good but I challenge you to begin to think about what you put in front of God. And that includes your kids. That includes your spouse. That includes your job. That includes, God forbid, your recreation, like hunting. How could that be an idol? That one I'm still questioning, but the rest of them, you know. Right? Let me challenge you one more. It might even be your church. 
Think about that for a moment. Church can be an idol. If, if doing something and being involved in a church project or a church ministry is more important than your relationship with God, it has become an idol. That may be a bit challenging. It's been a bit challenging for me because then it becomes second to our relationship with God. And what Francis Chan said, it reminded me, what's most important? Abide in me and I will abide in you. Our relationship to God is more important than all of that other stuff because I promise you this, if you no longer do it and it's needed and God knows it's part of this, a vital part of this ministry, he'll make it available and he'll have someone to step into that role. Anything in your life that's more important than God is an idol. That's in some ways kind of hard to hear. But it's the truth. It's the truth. And you know what, guys? We're really good at making idols. We aren't good at carving them out to look like Buddhas, but we're really good at making idols. See, because if you came here today just to check the box in your life that says, I went to church today, cha-ching, right? Then you've missed the point. You've missed the point why this church exists. You missed the point why you have a relationship with Christ. It's not about checking the box so you feel better for the rest of the week. It's all about that relationship you have with him. And anything or anyone or any time, anything you put in front of God is an idol. I'm about to pray. I know you knew that was going to happen, right? Because it happens every week. But before I pray, I, I can't help but encourage you. Like Jonah, in the midst of a big mess, he took his prayer to God. And I offer it every week. And I know that 150 people plus didn't come to church because they all were victorious, or that they didn't have struggles, or that they came because they just wanted to see my pretty face. You came because there were struggles in your life. There were trials that you're going through. There are struggles that you don't have the answer to. Just like when it says in Romans that we don't even always know what to pray for, but the Spirit groans in place for us. When I make an offer to the altar, I'm not making that so I feel better about myself or about the sermon that I just preached. I'm offering that because it's important. If you have a struggle... And you don't know what to do or where to go. We have help in Jesus Christ. And if you think you'll be embarrassed because someone saw you walk up the center aisle, that's ridiculous. If you walk up the center aisle, there'll be someone who comes and, and holds your hand and cries a tear with you because they're in the same spot. Or they've been there. So I don't offer this for my ego. I offer this because... Christ says, listen, I'm there for you. I want to hear your prayers and I want to forgive you. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are a broken people. 
We are so in need of your love. Lord, I ask even at this moment for those, for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you, who hasn't uh, recognized their need of you in their life. Lord, they, they go through the motions, they know who you are, they know all about you, but they've never let you run their life. I pray for that person this morning. That, Lord, we would have a chance to meet. Most importantly, that they would have a chance to meet you. Because eternity weighs in the balance. Lord, your scriptures remind me that eternity doesn't stop, start the day I die, but eternity starts the day I start my relationship with you. That's when I begin to live my eternal life. And it's lived differently because you have invaded in my life, made a difference in my life, and now I no longer want to do those things that turn me the wrong way. Sure, there's still some of that in me. But my focus changes from all of what I want and more of what you want. Lord, I pray for that person this morning who needs your love today. Who needs an answer. There is no other way out. There's nowhere to turn. They're inside the belly of a fish. And that's how it feels. I pray for them this morning. Lord, we are so thankful to be in your house. Let us not waste this opportunity to meet with you. In your name we pray. Amen.